everybody. This is Locked On Nittany Lions on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Wednesday, October 30th, 2019. Maybe you're in the Halloween spirit. Maybe you're getting ready for trick-or-treating. Maybe you're dressing up in a costume. But whatever the case may be during this bye week, we are here talking some Penn State football for you every Monday through Friday, even during the bye week. Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin McGuire, your host. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. And while you're at it, make sure you're following this podcast on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Hop on over to Facebook. Give us a like at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And of course, to make sure you're not missing a single episode, make sure you are subscribed in your favorite podcasting app, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever else you may be using to listen to podcasts. We are most likely going to be there for you, so make sure you subscribe. And if you want to help support the show a little bit more, please leave a rating and a review. Your feedback really is appreciated. We do take it into consideration. And, of course, it does help promote the show and spread the word in those various podcasting apps. So we would greatly appreciate any feedback you may have. We have a lot to get to in today's episode, guys. Even though Penn State's off, we do have some news and notes to go over real quickly in our first segment. In our second segment, I'm going to talk about one of the national stories that is broken over the last 24 hours since our last podcast, which is the NCAA's new stance regarding pay for play. Big game changer in the world of college football, really college athletics as a whole. And then in our third and final segment, we're actually going to do a little bit of an in-season rewind on the season and go back to week one, take a look at that Penn State-Idaho game because that was a game we didn't get a chance to cover on the podcast as we missed the first couple of games of the season. So we're going to start doing that throughout the rest of the week to kind of make sure we're all caught up on all the events that have happened during this Penn State football season. Things are looking pretty fun for the Nittany Lions right now. And of course, next week, we'll get back to our regular schedule, getting ready for that big Minnesota game on the road. With all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get started with today's episode, shall we? I say we shall. As we're starting to get into the final month of the college football season, that means the award season is getting ready to trim down their watch list down to semifinalists. And some of them have quarterfinalists that have been trimmed down to semifinalists before we get to our finalists for the various awards. And Penn State had a couple players make the semifinalist cut for a couple of the bigger awards out there. Well, first and foremost, we'll start with sophomore wide receiver KJ Hamler being selected as semifinals for the Maxwell Award presented by the Maxwell Football Club, and that is for the best overall player. So tremendous honor for K.J. Hamler as he has continued to be one of the big playmakers for the Nittany Lions and a big part of the reason why they are 8-0 at this point in the season. Remember, there's two touchdowns against Michigan, that big third down conversion. That guy is a lightning rod for this Penn State offense, so it's it's good recognition from the Maxwell Award panel to have K.J. Hamler make the semifinals cut. Is he going to make the finals cut? I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of really good players out there right now that are getting a lot of attention, and usually they're they're playing some quarterback positions. There's no question about that. And there are a lot of good quarterbacks out there this season. So I don't anticipate KJ Hamler is going to 
win the award and I don't know how many finalists they'll actually have so I guess there's always a chance if Penn State continues to win some games and he's putting up some big plays to be a part of that I could see him potentially making the finals cut although I, I think with the, the way that the, the players are out there at some of these other schools that are having a lot of success I think it's gonna be pretty difficult to make the finalist cut however I can't say anything negative about KJ Hamler and he would certainly be worthy of a finals cut and the Maxwell Award does tend to lean a little bit towards Penn State every now and then and they have a good history with Penn State players although no Penn State player has won the Maxwell Award since 2002 when Larry Johnson took home the award other past Maxwell Award winners from Penn State of course include Carrie Collins in 1994 Chuck Fusina in 1978 John Capaletti in 1973 Mike Reed in 1969 Glenn Ressler in 1964 Richie Lucas in 1959 I think Penn State still has the most Maxwell Trophy Award winners in the history of the award although a couple other schools are starting to get up there because it has been a while since a Penn State player has won it but we'll see if KJ Kamler can break that streak as the final month of the season goes along I'm going to guess probably within the next two to three weeks is when the finalists are announced for those awards I think that's the kind of the, the general guideline for the the, the award circuit as we get closer to the end of the season we will get the finalists before the end of the regular season because they do want to have all those ballots in by the end of the season on the defensive side of the ball we had two Penn State players being named as semifinals for the Benaric award and not surprisingly it was defensive end Yetor Gross Meadows and sophomore linebacker Michael Parsons both guys have been tremendous assets for this Penn State defense which has been getting a lot of national recognition so it's not a surprise that some of the biggest players that they have on the defensive side of the ball are being recognized as semifinals for the Benaric award the Benaric award is for the top defensive player in college football again presented by the Maxwell Football Club so it's not surprising that a handful of Penn State players have won this award again like the Maxwell award though it's been a few years since a Penn State player has taken home the award past award winners for the Benaric award from Penn State include of course LeVar Arrington back in 1999 Paul Pozlozny went back to back in 2005 and 2006 and Dan Connor made it a Penn State three-peat by taking home the award in 2007 Last year's award winner for the Benaric Award was Josh Allen of Kentucky, who uh, obviously had a big game against Penn State in the bowl game last year. And past previous or past winners of the Benaric Award also include names like Manti Teo, Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson, and Doug McClung Sue, Ray Malaluiga, and uh, there's another guy that you may have heard of, Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach at Northwestern. He actually won the award the first two years of the, the award's existence in 1995 in 1996 so Penn State's got a couple good defensive players that are on that short list to be a the Benaric award winner however I would imagine that Ohio State's Chase Young is probably considered the favorite for that award because he's actually creeping up the Heisman odds as well and of course the Heisman trophy is for the best player in college football and you know we're at that point in the season where the Heisman voting and the Heisman conversation is shifting towards well what defensive player could potentially win this award we all know a defense player is not going to win the Heisman Trophy if that ever happens I would be surprised I really would because as good as some of those defensive players are out there I can't imagine that the traditional line of thinking for the Heisman Trophy is going to award a defensive player an award that has generally been geared more towards quarterbacks in most recent years that's not to say that defensive players aren't worthy of a Heisman Trophy because sometimes the best defensive player is the best player in college football. 
I'm just saying there's enough voters out there who are probably going to stick to the conventional way that they pr approach these awards. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. Every voter is entitled to vote for the award however they see fit. But Chase Young of Ohio State is continuing to garner a lot of attention. He's actually moved up the Heisman odds a little bit. And the latest Heisman odds from Superbook Westgate Las Vegas don't exactly take kindly to Penn State. Uh, you know, and that's not too much of a surprise considering how some of the players have been recognized this season. Sean Clifford, of course, your Penn State starting quarterback, his odds opened at 100 to 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. Where are they right now? 1,000 to 1. And I think it's pretty easy to see why. He doesn't have the gaudy numbers that a lot of these quarterbacks have. And he, he certainly has a chance to rise up that those odds with a couple good performances in the next couple of games, including the road game at Minnesota. But I think the big game, of course, would be at Ohio State. Ohio State has three guys that are being talked about as Heisman Trophy candidates, which is just ridiculous. Justin Fields, a quarterback. You know, J.K. Dobbins are running back, and of course Chase Young is becoming that guy that a lot of people are saying, well, if a defensive player is going to win it, he's going to be the guy to do it. Again, I'll believe that when I see it, but yeah, odds are there's going to be at least one Buckeye in New York at the end of the season. I don't think Sean Clifford's going to be there. don't think K.J. Hamler's going to be there, but there are a couple other awards out there that Penn State could certainly see a guy taking home and bringing back to State College. And one last note to pass along, James Franklin officially announced that defensive tackle Antonio Shelton has been suspended by the team for one game. The Big Ten did reprimand him for his spitting incident against Michigan State last week, and I think a one-game suspension was absolutely justified. Just can't have players spitting on other players, so he will be serving that suspension for the Minnesota game next week. All right, coming up in our next segment, we have some big breaking news that we need to discuss, and it's a topic we've discussed previously, but now there's a major development that has just happened within the last 24 hours, and we're going to talk about that in our next segment. This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Rectile dysfunction, just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit with free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash locked for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash locked. For years, if not decades, the NCAA has really based itself on the idea that a student athlete is just that, a student who is an athlete, and there should be no other ways to be compensated on top of what you're already getting in a scholarship. This has been the company line that you've heard from the NCAA for a number of years, and the debate has really, or maybe not a debate, but really the issue has been raised more and more frequently over the last few years as we have seen lawsuits about player likeness uh, being taken advantage of as, as far as stuff like the video games and marketing materials. This has been a long time coming, and now the NCAA is not necessarily doing an about face on this, but actually willing to discuss how to evolve on this philosophy of the pay-for-play movement. 
we've seen a number of states over the last couple of months really start to break down the establishment that is the NCAA's model and allow legally within the states for student athletes to receive forms of compensation for the use of their name, their likeness, or their image in whatever kind of uh, offer may come their way. I think that this is a great idea that I think that it was unfortunately up to the states and the state legislators to get the ball rolling on this. Now that the ball has started to roll, the law is already in effect in California, or I should say it's been passed in California, it's been signed in California, and it'll actually take effect, I believe, in 2021, which allows schools and all the uh, other organizations that are associated with the, the academics and the athletes in the state of California to get everything organized so that everything's ready to go smoothly and there's no issues along the way. But we've seen other states start to follow in that lead. We've seen uh, bills proposed in states like South Carolina and Florida. Georgia's getting in the mix. New York, here in Pennsylvania, and a number of other states too. I believe Kentucky was one. I think Indiana or Illinois, or maybe Indiana and Illinois. We're starting to see this movement really sweep the nation. And now the NCAA on Tuesday at their regularly scheduled meeting, the first time that they've been able to have a meeting with their leaders since California opened up their, their law books to make this a, this change for pay-for-play. And for the first time that we've seen the NCAA respond to this issue, they are now moving forward in an attempt to potentially evolve. And it's important to say potentially evolve because nothing has officially changed yet. And if you follow NCAA rule changes, you know nothing happens quite overnight, which I think a lot of people are trying to jump on the gun and anticipating what's going to happen next. But here's what's going on with the NCAA. As it's stated in the NCAA release on Tuesday afternoon, in the association's continuing efforts to support college athletes, the NCAA's top governing board voted unanimously to permit students participating in athletics the opportunity to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. The Board of Governors' action directs each of the NCAA's three divisions to immediately consider updates to relevant bylaws and policies for the 21st century. And we're going to see just how quickly this can all be transitioned. So what they're doing right now is they want to seek ideas from their members and their different conferences, different levels, uh, classifications. They need to get together and start evolving and changing the way the rules are officially written so that they can have this all documented so players are, can fairly and um, without penalty receive the compensation for the use of their name, image, or likeness. So that is a big step forward. It's not the final step forward. And again, going back to what I said earlier just a minute ago, if you follow the NCAA rule changes, nothing happens like that. This is going to be a little bit of a process. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to see in the coming months and as future meetings are held within the next, uh, I don't know, six months, a year, whatever it is, uh, we're going to see updates on all of this and, and see what kind of you know, ground we're talking about. And I do think that this is going to ultimately lead to a, a point in time where players will be able to receive compensation for appearing in a TV ad or doing a radio spot or maybe being a part of some kind of marketing material for the local bar. I don't know, <laughs> but this is going to be what many believe to be a game changer. I don't think it's going to drastically change a whole lot. Obviously, you'll see some more college football players, college basketball players having their image and their name attached to different forms of advertising. And I think that that's okay. 
I really do. I've always been in favor of that. I see nothing wrong with that. But I think one of the biggest fears that you know a lot of fans seem to have, and not just Penn State fans, but I'm saying fans in general, from the way that I've covered it over the last couple of years, it feels like people are automatically assuming that now schools like Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and Michigan or Notre Dame, they're all going to start getting the best players. Well, I got news for you. Schools like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, they're already getting the best player. So ultimately, it's probably not going to change a whole lot. Now, and I am very curious to see how this all does pan out, how quickly and smoothly it is able to be moving forward. And then we're going to see just how much the voice changes from the NCAA and President Mark Emmert, who has you know, been reluctant to embrace this idea and it still seems like they're moving forward hesitantly and it's almost more because they're legally being pressured to if the states are individually allowing this there's nothing that the ncaa can really do because they are not a governing body in state government or government obviously they have rules for their own body of members which are ncaa institutions but that's the extent of it and we you know penn state fans know this from you know some experiences the ncaa doesn't really interfere with the actual laws that are in play here so obviously this is something that um i feel like the writing was on the wall for the ncaa and i think the biggest question now that a lot of fans seem to have is well how soon can i get to play ncaa football i know it's one of the first questions that always comes to my mind as a big fan of that video game franchise and i'm going to tell you right now it's not going to happen for a number of years and that's because I believe the NCAA is giving all of their institutions a couple of years, yeah, January 2021, to get this all figured out. So that gives them over a year to figure things out. Now, if you're EA Sports, you're obviously keeping an eye on this. And there's also stuff that the video game designers and the video game company has to figure out too. First of all, is it feasible to still do it if they have to compensate players? It's a lot of players that have to be compensated or do, do players sign some kind of a agreement or a waiver that maybe they don't get the compensation unless they're attached to the promotional material. I don't know how it all works and I'm not going to try and figure it out. But you also have to keep in mind, the last time we got NCAA football, it was on the PlayStation 3. And so, you know, that era. So obviously a new game would have to be formed from scratch. And as much work as it takes to put into a game, you're not just going to take Madden and just strip it down and replace it with the college football themes. Although I guess that's an idea that they could do. But the bottom line is, it takes time to form a video game. You're not going to get it next year. You're probably not even going to get it in two years. But maybe in three years, NCAA football 2022, I guess it would be, maybe 23, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like we're closer to being able to play that video game again than we have been in quite some time. And I know that's what a lot of people care about. But, you know, we're going to keep an eye on this development as it continues to evolve. I know I'm trying to give you some of the basics as far as I understand it. But basically, nothing is happening tomorrow. Nothing is happening today. This is all going to take some time. But the ball is now officially moving. Coming up in our final segment today, we are going to go back to week one of the college football season and talk about Penn State's big season opening victory against Idaho. Yes, it's the in-season season rewind right here on the Locked On Nittany podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. So time to go back all the way back to week one of the college football season and take a look at Penn State's big season opening victory against Idaho. 
Now, that's what I've discussed a little bit previously and kind of hinted at. The next couple of days, we're going to dedicate a segment each day to going back and looking at one of the games on Penn State's schedule that we didn't get a chance to talk about on the podcast for one reason or another. The biggest reason, of course, being we didn't start this podcast with the relaunch until after the Maryland game. So that was the first game we got a chance to react to. And it was a good game to get started with the show. But we did miss the first couple of games of the season. So today, tomorrow, and again on Friday, we'll take a look at each of these games that we didn't get a chance to discuss on the podcast. So today we're looking at the season opening victory against Idaho. It was a 79-7 to blowout victory. Still impressive how they racked up so much offense, even against a team like Idaho. So coming into the season, Penn State was ranked number 15 in the country in the AP poll. Seems like a pretty fair ranking. Some people have suggested it might even be a little bit high, given some of the losses and the turnover that we have seen with the roster from last season. Of course, you know, replacing Trace McSorley is never going to be easy to do, but in steps Sean Clifford, and you know what? The offense got off to a little bit of a slow start, or at least a lot slower than I anticipated against a team like Idaho. This is an Idaho team that was in the FBS for a few years, uh, had to step back and drop down to the FCS level for a number of frustrating reasons for the program. Obviously, it's not it's something that they wanted to do. It wasn't their first option, but they decided that it was probably best overall if they ended up dropping down to the FCS, which I think uh, is an unfortunate reality. So, of course, when this game was scheduled, Idaho was an FBS program, so they're still kind of in that transition back down to the FCS. But this was supposed to be a big victory for Penn State. This is supposed to be a game where you're not stressing about it. And honestly, even though Penn State only managed to get a couple of field goals to get the scoring started, you kind of felt that this was, things were going to be okay here. So, obviously, they ended up being very okay. Journey Brown gets a 23-yard touchdown run, about five minutes left in the first quarter. And that calms a lot of people. You know, they realize that, okay, now Penn State's finally going to establish some dominance here and really stick, to, stick it to Idaho on the ground. And we obviously saw a lot of running in this game because when you have a, an overmatched opponent like this, that's the way you want to get going. 331 yards as a team on the ground against Idaho. Devin Ford picking up 107 in a touchdown. Uh, Noah Kane, of course, got nine carries for 44 yards. Nick Yuri got six carries for 44 yards. Uh, Kane got two touchdowns. Yuri got a touchdown. Journey Brown had two touchdowns. Ricky Slade got a touchdown. Even though Ricky Slade coming into the season was the guy that I thought was going to be the next main running back for the Nittany Lions. And I wasn't too concerned when he only had five carries for nine yards. I figured, okay, light workload, get everybody involved. This is a good week to get everybody uh, some opportunity to do something. Uh, I didn't really necessarily know at the time that things were going to be as low on the radar for Ricky Slade moving forward throughout the season. So that has been something that's been kind of a little bit surprising to me, considering where I thought things were going to be at the beginning of the season. But maybe that was just me. Maybe I misread that one. Or maybe I had a little bit of a different anticipation of how this running game was going to develop. But overall, I, we saw right from the start, the, this running back by committee was going to be something that works very well for Penn State. Now, Sean Clifford didn't have the highest percentage as far as completing his passes, but of course, two touchdowns uh, through the air. He also had 57 rushing yards, which again, combining to that team rushing total, that was uh, pretty impressive. And it was a good solid debut for his first start as an Indian line. Of course, he would have bigger tests later to come. Also coming into the season, we kind of expected that Penn State's defense was going to be in pretty good shape. And of course, this was uh, an overmatched opponent where you should have gotten a good idea for just how nasty Penn State's defense could be. Now, again, 
this was Idaho. This wasn't exactly Michigan or Ohio State. We fully recognize that. But you want to see your dominant defenses put in some dominant performance with the numbers uh, when all is said and done against a team like this. Now, Idaho had one first down, or I'm sorry, one third down conversion all afternoon. They had five first downs, only managed 145 yards. Those are the kind of numbers you want to see when this Penn State defense is ready to set the tone for the upcoming season. So obviously only allowing four rushing yards, uh, that was a, a big plus for Penn State's defense. And it certainly showed that this defense was not going to be intimidated, not going to be uh, taking any downs off. And that was certainly the case on that season opener because they only allowed a touchdown and that was in the fourth quarter. So <laughs> this was a, a dominant performance for the defense, really got the season started on the right foot. And again, say what you will about the level of competition, but that's exactly what you want to see from your top defensive units in that kind of a matchup. That's what Alabama would do. It's what Clemson would do. And it's what Penn State did. What made the 79 points kind of interesting as far as Penn State was concerned was this was the same opening weekend for the season where Maryland put a pasting on their FCS opponent, Howard. They also scored 79 points. So it was a high-scoring weekend for a couple of Big Ten teams. And right off the gate, I remember back in week one, people were looking at that Penn State score and the Maryland score and starting to look ahead to the schedule, thinking that the over-under for that Penn State-Maryland game was probably going to be about 200, <laughs> the way that those teams were going offensively. Obviously, that ended up being a much different story by the time that game came around. But that's the thing about week one. There were a lot of interesting performances uh, around the Big Ten that kind of gave us an indication for where things might be. Now, Maryland got off to a hot start with a 79 victory against Howard. Of course, they followed that up with a big win against Syracuse in week two. But things looked very promising for Maryland. And where are they now? Not as promising. Illinois, on the other hand, scored a 42-3 victory at home against Akron. Uh, we, little did we know at the time that Illinois was very much going to be in the thick of a bowl pursuit going into November. And that's still very much the case after this past weekend against Purdue. Northwestern got beat up at Stanford, and that would end up being the uh, the theme of their season as they are continuing to struggle. They dropped the, the road game at Stanford 17-7. to Nebraska got on the board with a victory, but it wasn't quite the victory that a lot of people anticipated coming into the season with some of the expectations for Nebraska. And as we've seen, that season for Nebraska hasn't exactly gone as planned for a lot of people. So we'll see where Nebraska goes from here. But a shaky performance in the weekend or the season to start off against South Alabama, another team that's been struggling. So it wasn't even a good quality win for Nebraska. Iowa took care of Miami, Ohio, and Iowa continues to be in the top 20, and they started the season at number 20. So Iowa's right uh, going through the season probably for a par for the course. Uh, Michigan had their victory against Middle Tennessee in that season opener, 40-21. It wasn't the kind of performance that a lot of people expected from Michigan. And I, at the time, I thought, all right, well, they're still in a little bit of a transition. We'll see where they go from here. We've seen where they've gone from there, and there's still some – Room for improvement, although they're coming off a really big win against Notre Dame. Ohio State wasted no time getting Justin Fields involved in week one against Florida Atlantic and Lane Kiffin. Uh, and that continues to be the story today. Purdue tore up the season opener at Nevada. That ended up being the uh, preview of things to come for the Boilermakers. How about Rutgers getting their win against UMass? UMass is horrible. <laughs> so when you get squashed by Rutgers, that's not a good look for UMass. And, of course, Rutgers is really struggling right now. They did get a win against Liberty this past weekend, though. Wisconsin and their defense started off the year with a shutout, 49-0 at South Florida. That defense just was 
unbelievable for quite some time. And they may still be one of the better defenses in the Big Ten coming down into the final month of the season. Michigan State had a little sloppy game, 28-7 against Tulsa. And Minnesota opening of the year against South Dakota State at home, a 28-21 victory, nearly upset by the Jackrabbits. But they pulled it off, and that continues to be the case for Minnesota. And they're getting better by the week. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll consider sharing it with your friends and family. I've got a couple ways that you can do that. First, if you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany, simply retweet or retweet with a comment to one of the many tweets that we send out throughout the day with the link to today's episode or an iTunes link or a Spotify link. And of course, you can also head on over to Facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany Give us a like and then share one of our Facebook status updates with your friends and followers on your Facebook page as well. Invite them to our Facebook page and help join our community of Penn State fans who are trying to continue to grow the show in as many ways as possible. And of course, we want to get interacting with you guys on Twitter and on Facebook. Make sure you and your friends and family come back to tomorrow's episode where we'll have a little trick-or-treating fun with Halloween and getting in the Halloween spirit on the podcast. Uh, We've got a couple ideas to throw around. Of course, we'll also update you guys on any possible Penn State headlines that come out within the last 24 hours since recording this podcast and sharing it with you. And we will continue our little in-season rewind with a look at Game 2 on Penn State's schedule. Looks like a pretty tough game against Buffalo for a little while until Penn State once again pulled away. So we'll talk about that in tomorrow's episode as well. And of course, if you have any mailbag questions, feel free to always send them to us on Twitter or on Facebook, and we will get the Gmail account out to you guys very soon. I've got to get that all situated still. It's still on my to-do list. My to-do list is growing by the day, but like I said, it's been a busy week, and I want to make sure that these podcasts are there for you. So priorities, people, and you guys are one of them. Again, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast in iTunes and Spotify and Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Let me know so we can make sure we have this podcast out there for you if it is not already. And of course, if you want to go a little step further, you can always consider leaving a rating and a review. Not only do we appreciate your feedback and hearing what you guys have to say about the show to help us improve moving forward, but it does help with the placement of this podcast in the various podcasting directories. So we do appreciate your help with that effort as well. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. And of course, you can also check out my content on AthlonSports.com and on NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. And if, if you are on Facebook, you can hop over to Facebook.com slash by Kevin McGuire. I share a lot of stuff there as well. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go play some NCAA 14 on the PlayStation 3. And until tomorrow, guys, have a great Wednesday. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.